Hey, welcome back to He's on Fire podcast. It is a breaking news type of day since we, we usually come at you middle of the week. You all know by now, Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury, gone. One was fired, one resigned, one put in a letter of resignation. We'll get into that stipulation in a little bit. Uh, we need to bring on my co-host, the one and only Jay Joyce. It was a good day today, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, man, I was just working. I, I had a pounding headache and stuff, and I'm like, this day is sucking right now. And what do you know? Like, I'm all waiting to, uh, until, like, the uh, the 2 o'clock uh, sort of uh, uh, press conference and stuff. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I got to wait until then. And then a little after 9, uh, the Cliff Kingsbury stuff came out, and it totally lined up my day, and uh, I couldn't be happier. I was like first thing too. It was like nine thirty, close to ten o'clock or something like that. It was yeah. it was great. I mean, it was it was hard to focus today. I'm doing one thing over there. Like, oh, Ian Rappaport said something about who they're trying to go for. Oh, here's the Cardinals post game or the uh, presser. Here's this. Here's that. It just kept popping off today. It was it was awesome. A uh, special guest. We got the one and only Joseph from ArizonaSportsUnderground.com. It was a great day today, wasn't it? It was a little after, it was close to noon on your side when the news broke today? Yeah, somewhere thereabouts. I was actually in the office and, and saw the tweets and I was like, you know, it, it's, it was interesting. It's, it's, I think it, I think it's a good day. It's, it's a little bit of a weird day, um, but you no. know, there's some, <laughs> you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little more kind of tempered on some of these things. Um, I mean, I think Kime definitely, you know, he needed to move on. I think Cliff, we'll, we'll get into it more. I, I th I'm excited about the future. I think it was the right move. Um, I think Cliff is going to land somewhere, be an OC, and probably, you know, kind of reestablish himself. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an important day. It's a pivotal day. And it's a day that has a lot of, you know, interesting, you know, potential on the horizon. So this was I want to start here. To me, this is nothing but a good day. We the it's not a, it wasn't a toxic environment, right? Mm -hmm. It definitely wasn't toxic like some people want to make it out to be is what I'm seeing a lot of. But yeah. it was not an environment conducive for winning. So for all intensive person, uh, all intensive purposes, it's toxic to me because we weren't winning. That wasn't a culture that bred winning. That wasn't a GM that that picked right when it came to the draft. Especially even when it came to coaches, he wasn't even really even picking right. He was bad in three thirty three, and then this season happened, and you could say he was able just to pick one decent coach who just up and left on us. Yeah. Today was a good day. We can change the culture. We can change the narrative. We're changing the tune. We're cleaning house. Hopefully, the Vance Joseph thing, I really want to ask you about, Joe. Get your take on yeah. that. This is a good day for Cardinals fans. This is something that I've been wanting ever since the downfall of the COVID year, which was Cliff's second year. That was the, the D-hop year uh, where he caught it against the Bills, right? And that's when we blew it against the Rams and 49ers at home to not get into the playoffs when we lost to their third-string quarterback. Joe, remember his name for the Rams? John Wolford. John, John Wolford. Wolford. You'll, yes. You won't – I forget. I block it out. You'll, you'll never <laughs> let me – It's traumatic, forget. yeah. <laughs> Ever since then, it was clear and obvious to me that Cliff Kingsbury is not a leader of men. You don't go out that way. Sure enough, it happened the next year. Sure enough, it happened the year after that. And here we are, a year late in my opinion, but it's hard to – fire a guy after going to the playoffs 13 and three it's really hard to justify it but a year late and we're back to 
healing. And I think year one going into next year is more about being a competent franchise, putting a competent team on the field and competing in games. You know, I, if, if we were to go nine and eight next year, I think that's an absolute win. Um, and those are my expectations moving forward, regardless of the hire, right? Anything can happen. Look at the Jags nine and eight and they win lions almost pulling it out. The Seahawks should have never sniffed the playoffs and there they are. Anything can happen. This is nothing but a good day for the Arizona Cardinals football organization. Jay, turning the page now, looking forward. Just give me your just give me your reaction. This is something we've wanted on this podcast for over a year. And now that it's happened, where are you at mentally? Uh surface level feelings. Uh, I'm being really positive. I'm I'm liking the change. And finally, Bid uh, Bidwell showed that he has some dog in him. Uh, clearing house. Uh, when it comes to Vance Joseph, he's kind of the middle of a back defensive coordinator. Uh, when he was a uh, uh, head coach for the Broncos, it, like it wasn't a good time there. So uh, with uh, Vance Joseph, if he uh, decides uh, or if Bidwell decides to keep him around, I'm not going to be too mad about it. Uh, he did overachieve this season. Uh, the defense was on the field all like all game, every game uh, this whole season. And I think the defense uh, for the most part did a relatively good job considering the injuries and, you know, being on the field for uh, X amount of time, basically the whole game. But um, as an Arizona sports fan in general, I am leaving a lot of room for disappointment. I mean, this could get worse <laughs> if we get, if we get the wrong people. But the names that are floating around, I'm liking the names. We're going to get into the names in a little bit. Uh, but um, I'm thrilled. I'm glad Steve Kime is not calling the shots anymore. And with Cliff, I think he's a really good guy. I think uh, just right now the NFL head coaching job is just a little over his head right now. Like Joe said, uh, I think as an offensive coordinator, uh, like for a couple of years, maybe get his feet uh, underneath the rug and just try to learn the NFL game and maybe he can progress into a head coach a little down the line. I think there's a little um, a little room for growth right there. I think he could pull it together, but I mean, his history doesn't show that. But um, as for the Arizona Cardinals organization, I'm stoked uh, for the future to come. I really am. Joe, you said you're, you sounded a little apprehensive about it. Explain to me your your initial thoughts and then how you've had time to kind of let it marinate a little bit as the day has gone on. Yeah, so I right off the bat, Kime being gone from the organization is a big win. I think he's the bigger problem um, yeah. in terms of how he's built the roster, um, just some weird roster building strategies in terms of you know going uh, with middle linebackers, prioritizing them as much as I love Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, I think they're going to be very good for us. That's just not where you use your first-round picks, especially not back-to-back -back years. Not prioritizing the interior offensive line in the draft. Uh, not prioritizing defensive line. Um, so just some weird things. Uh, you know. So I think uh, that's the big one. With Cliff, um, I, I mean, I think it was the right move. I feel for him. I think he is actually a good leader of men, and I think he is a good coach. I think the problems with him are two things. One, I think his offensive system doesn't uh, doesn't work in the NFL unless you have stars at the receiver position who are healthy. And when those players aren't there, which they weren't for much of the year – he his offense offensive system because of the way it, it it's just run 
it, it can't overcome that, right? So when he has the player makers he needs, we get what we got in the first half of last season, right? Where they were like, you know, arguably the best team in the NFL for half the season. But when he doesn't have those players, the system can't overcome like Shanahan, you know, playing with a, you know, a seventh round rookie quarterback and other teams. So I think, I don't think it's, he's not, he's a good, that he's not a good leader. I think he's smart. I think there are some good things about his coaching and his blocking schemes, but fundamentally, I think that particular offense, especially with what it does with the receivers and the routes just can't overcome injuries. So he needs to go to somewhere, be an offensive coordinator, further adapt his offense like Jay talked about. And I think if he can do that, I think someday he'll be a good coach somewhere. You know, and I think there's a few other things he might need to learn about managing in terms of, you know, um, calling players out. I know some people have talked about that, but I, I'm not as down on him as a coach as some people are. If Steve Kime had built a better roster, this team, Cliff probably could have won, but if things, if the injuries come, then he can't withstand it. So I would still rather find a coach who can win in suboptimal situations. So I still think it's a good move. I'm just a little more kind of, I guess there's a little more nuance with me with, with Cliff. Um, but again, I, you know, so I think it's the right move. It's just, I, I'm not as down on Cliff as, as some people are. I can't. Uh, we can't hear you. Yeah. Understandable. Everybody has the right to their own opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I was, I was tired of a lot of the play calls. I think what you said about that adapting at somewhere else, I think, under the direction of a head coach about we want to run or pass in these certain situations. I want to mm -hmm. screen in these situations. Yeah. And then you need to feel it out with that. I think, you know, having that mentorship would be good for him. Mm -hmm. I I just, I, I was so tired of watching those plays left yeah. and right, man. I'm so tired of watching the plays that were thrown behind the line of scrimmage, all that stuff. I'm happy we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. It's over. It's done with the cliff Kingsbury, <sighs> Steve Kime regime is done. We're looking forward. Man, I can't help but just hope and pray Vance Joseph is not a part of this staff going forward. I like Vance. That's fine. You know, I said this on Twitter. Am I a bad person for not caring, really, if you're a good person or not when you're failing as a coach? Like, don't get me wrong. You need to be a good person to be a coach, right? You can also be kind of a douchebag. Like, look at the guy that's still up and coaching uh, New England, right? You can You can be a douchey guy. But still, you know, win. Overall, he's not a bad guy. He's not going out committing all these crimes that we don't think are happening. So you have to be a good person to a point. I get that. But look at Herm Edwards and ASU. Herm Edwards. Oh, he's a great guy. This and that. Dude, I don't give a shit. That didn't get us anywhere, man. Look at Monty Williams right now. It's not getting us anywhere. Be a great guy. That's awesome. I want a winner more than anything else. So everyone's like, oh, I feel bad for Cliff, this and that. Dude, he's getting his money. <laughs> he's getting a lot of money. He's going to get to go somewhere like an Alabama or a USC or a New England, and he's going to be just fine. In fact, he will probably revitalize his career. Mm -hmm. But I don't care that he was a nice guy, and I don't want that to be something that everybody needs going forward. I want somebody that can be kind of an ass, like the way Bruce Arians was to players, who can get the best out of players, especially at this level with – prima donnas young dudes getting money and that kind of thing so vance joseph again i know he's a nice guy but i don't need to see 16 more games of our defensive backs playing eight to ten yards off of our receivers again right i don't need to see these soft zones where five yards six yards nine yards screen play for three and then there's the 
big 15 yard play, right? I know we didn't give up a lot of big runs or a lot of big plays down the field, 40 plus yards. In fact, I think we led the league in some sort of category like that, where it was the least amount of explosive plays through the air. That's great and everything. I just want a full rebuild top to bottom. You want to keep an assistant or two on that's fine. I'm ready to move on. Uh, Joe, can I get your thoughts on Vance Joseph, the defense, him potentially being a coach, at least getting interviewed. Give me your thoughts on that. Is this, is he getting interviewed as part of a dog and pony show too, because you, you have to interview. So, so, you know, you're wondering, you're asking, is he maybe is a part of the Rooney rule thing? I think I, I think he's getting an interview in part because um, Bidwell, I think, really means what he says, that he's going to cast a wide net. He's going to interview internal candidates. He's going to interview external candidates. And he's going to try to do his due diligence. Wow. Um, I th And I also think they know and respect Vance. They said they like him in the building. I think they respect him. And I think he is a good leader. Um, I agree that some things about his defense I don't love. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the soft zones like you talked about. And I, I think there's just and, – and, you know, as a blitz-heavy defense in, in a league that has moved away from blitz-heavy defenses right now. That really couldn't get to the quarterback that much this yeah. year either in a yeah, blitz-heavy yeah. scheme. So I, I I do – I commend Vance. I think he – I think he – got a defense that at times outperformed its personnel, especially as there were injuries. Sure. And I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's done enough to earn a head coaching gig. I mean, in a vacuum, you look at a coordinator. Okay. Well, the league's an offensive uh, league. So if you're not, if you're a defensive coordinator, you already have a strike against you in terms of being considered for a head coaching spot, whether you think that's fair or not, it's an offensive game these days. So he's already got one strike against him. So if you're a defensive coordinator and you want to be considered as a head coach, you better have an elite defense. Like we're talking, a name we're going to talk about, D'Amico Ryans. So I just don't think Vance Joseph has earned enough to be considered as a head coaching candidate. Now, in terms of retaining him as the defensive coordinator with the Cardinals, you're going to want to bring in a coach who's going to have an opportunity to put together his own staff. The only reason, um, you know, Cliff Kingsbury didn't assemble his own staff is he came right from college and Steve Keim helped sort of assemble that staff because Keim ha had more connections in the NFL. But you want to hire someone and let him bring in his own defensive coordinator. If that person who comes in wants to retain Vance Joseph, then, you know, I support, you know, their decision to do that, their right to do that. But I, I don't think Vance should be I, – I don't think he should be the next head coach of the Cardinals. As, and I like him. You know, like you, I like him, but I don't think he's done enough to be that, um, to earn that right. And I don't think that the organization should put a stipulation on a new head coach that we have a defensive coordinator for you, right? You don't, you don't do that. I think you let that coach hire who they want to hire. Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. so for me, uh, I, you know, I just, based on those things, I just, to me, there's not a scenario where Vance Joseph is retained unless that next coach wants him. I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, before we get into the candidates, because I have one that I just need to talk about first, JJ, Vance Joseph potentially staying. Does that turn your stomach a little bit? Are you all for it? Give me your thoughts. And there's a couple comments in the chat we're going to get to as well after that. Uh, yeah, um, well, like I said a little before, um, he's kind of the middle of the pack uh, defensive coordinator. I mean, we definitely have our issues with him. 
Uh, last season, uh, we I think we were one of the worst teams when it came to run defense, and we gave, we gave up a lot of big plays last season. Uh, or, uh, last that was season our Achilles then. heel the, the year before yeah. doing the playoffs by far. Yeah, and then this season, I mean, yeah, we did overachieve in some aspects. We did play above our personnel, but um, again, you know, it's the soft coverages, giving up uh, big chunks of yards, uh, depleting, uh, you know, drives and like Vance Joseph's reputation of not playing young guys has really uh, killed his defense, in my opinion, too. Uh, that stretch of games where Isaiah Simmons was only playing about 10% of the snaps was not good for the team, in my opinion. Uh, same thing with Zavin. When Zavin missed that uh, sack on uh, – uh, God, I'm, I'm spacing on the name now. Uh, uh, Rams QB. Matt Stafford, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, uh, when he missed that uh, potential game-winning sack on Matt Stafford in the beginning of the season, uh, if he would have played a lot more in the season previous, he, he makes that tackle nine times out of ten. Uh, it's just like little stuff like that has really uh, hurt this defense uh, for the last couple of seasons. Um, if, if somehow we can secure a new head coach and then they can bring somebody in, I'm all for it. But at the same time, uh, since uh, Vance is a middle-of-the-pack uh, sort of defensive coordinator, I think we can kind of get away with it. Uh, and just considering how uh, some of the teams in the NFC are right now, um, I mean, a lot of a lot of teams in the NFC right now kind of middle-of-the-pack defenses. Same thing with coordinators, and, uh, I mean, they made it uh, into the playoffs. So I think as long as we have a stud offense and we can put points on the board, I, I think we're okay. And I do think this is a very intriguing place to go. Everybody's like kind of down on Arizona. And I saw a list today that actually put Arizona number two and Carolina surprisingly number one. Um, If you pair, I still think Joe's probably with me on this. You pair Kyler, Ertz, Hop, Hollywood, a healthy Rondale Moore together. And, and, a, and a semblance of, of a legitimate, a, a middle of the pack offensive line middle of the pack offensive line. I still think that's a top five offense. I really, really do. You put that with the amount of money that we have for salary cap coming up, the number three pick, like this is an attractive destination, not to mention you're just in Arizona during the winter in the beginning, right? That's just, we're naturally a great destination to be at. Everybody says that, and they have been saying that. So this is an attractive situation, but the first thing I really want to talk, actually, there's there's a uh, Yoel Hyman uh, from ASAP Sports Network. He said with Kyler's injury timeline, whomever gets the job will have a rebuilding first year. Does the contract put the uh, cap? Does the contract put them in a cap situation? I I don't think so, especially with how much it opened up, and now you don't have to. Damn it, you don't have to sign JJ Watt, son of a bitch. That sucks, right? But you don't have to sign him to that massive deal. You got to use that money somewhere else. So I don't think that necessarily strongholds him in a little bit. Um, but this is who I want to talk about. I want to talk about Sean Payton. To me, this is for me, it's Sean Payton one, Harbaugh number two. I don't think Harbaugh is a realistic chance, anyways, because we've heard of Denver and Carolina already. And where there's smoke, there's fire. I just don't think that would have fit for his system if you look at what he built with Kaepernick and I guess Alex Smith and the 49ers in the run game. Look at the run game and the beefy old line that they've done up in Michigan. That's my personal preference of football. I would love a smash mouth run first type of team anyways. I would love that. But with what Sean Payton did with another short QB and Drew Brees, I that's who I want to go after. You know, an offensive guy that has weapons. He can get it out. And I don't, 
I don't care if it's a first round pick. I hope it's not a first round pick this year, but to be honest, even if it is, I'll do anything to get the right coach in. And I don't know if I trust Bidwell to get that right GM and that right coach. And I mean, he's the common denominator and everything right now. Right? So Joe, I want to ask you two part question. One, do you believe in Bidwell making the right choice? And two, give me your thoughts on Sean Payton, but let's start on Bidwell. I do. Um, I'm actually a Michael Bidwell fan. I might be in the minority here. I think you're the most, one. Yeah, I'm the one. I'm the one. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, he's he. <laughs> it's me and his family. They're the only you know. Um, I love it. <laughs> so, I I listen. He's made some missteps. I I, I think you know holding on to Kime for so long and trust and and you know kind of based on the relationship was was you know obviously a mistake. I think, you know, the, the, the independent study addendum was a PR mistake. Um, but I think Michael Bidwell is smart. You know, he's a, he's a federal prosecutor, former federal prosecuting attorney. Um, I, I think he has a good plan for how he's going to approach it. I really think the problem is that this organization, um, as, uh, you know, historically has, uh, you know, promoted from within so long going back to when, Bill Bidwell was in charge. And I think that's just how they was always done things. And Michael carried that on. And there's sort of an insular culture and they need to bring someone who has can say, this is how we did it somewhere else. And Michael seems willing and open to do that. I mean, if I watched the press conference and I liked it, you know, yeah. pretty much everything he said had to say about how he's going to approach that. Yeah. And I believe him. I, maybe I'm naive, but I believe he's going to approach that way. So I, I'm just optimistic enough that he's going to take the right approach. Um, he's going to hire someone probably from outside the organization. And hopefully that person's going to come in and kind of, you know, change up some of the things about how their processes and, you know, I, I think he's a very thoughtful guy who does things very meticulously and intentionally, right? And I think if he gets the right person from outside the organization as a GM who can bring some of the best practices, I think they're going to get that stuff right. So I do trust him to do it. I, I, you know, I, and then I, people who are down on him, like look at some of the other right. owners around like the league. Like look at Jim Ursay. Like, like that guy's like batshit crazy right the fords like, yeah yeah so Imagine like dealing with jerry jones <laughs> yeah right so like jerry. i just Shit. listen he's made some mistakes but he's also a guy and i'll end on this because i don't want to jump in here Evan, who has shown consistently and i've said this before he is not unwilling to walk back his mistakes that con that independent study contracted denim was out within 24 hours when it became the news uh, he allowed the team to uh, draft a new quarterback or a qu quarterback in the first round two years in a row. Whether you agree with who he, they drafted, you know, they didn't, there, there's no way they draft Kyler a year after taking quarterback without the owner signing. That's not a guy who's letting his ego, ego get in the way. And he just fired a coach after signing to an extension. Right. So like, this is a coach who's not, doesn't or an owner, I'm sorry, who doesn't let his ego get in the way of walking back and having my culpas on mistakes. So I just I think that. he's I, I trust I trust he's gonna do the right thing and he's not gonna let his ego get in the way. The key variable is they need someone from outside the organization to bring new practices. And somebody that can bring sustainability instead of having flash yeah. in the pan seasons, right? Like yeah. Bruce Arians was more sustainable than we've ever seen. 
And but we need somebody like that for three, four, five, six plus years. That's what we really need. And hopefully, hopefully a coach out there sees the, the value in that. But what I wanted to go to, you know, right as I said that, I don't know if I trust Bill Bidwell. I immediately thought of Ray Anderson at Arizona State. And I'm like, dude, he's not going to get fired. He's going to make another stupid coaching call. This is dumb. Kenny Dillingham comes back. And I'm like, I like this. And then mm -hmm. things are rolling with Arizona State. There's a lot of momentum behind what that football program is going to look back at James Jones um, or uh, hiring the hiring of Monty Williams. I didn't I didn't, I thought they were going to hire some schmuck again. Right. Some guy that's never coached before. Another Lindsey Hunter and whoever you want to throw out there. Monty Williams. What is he on his fourth, fifth season? Yeah. Like. So there is proof in the Valley that these bad sports franchises can turn it around. So, so right when I thought said that I was like, you know what? It is possible. So maybe I do trust Bidwell. Um, I want to be like, dude, this is your last chance, but he owns, owns the freaking right. team. So uh, Darth Void wants to bring back Wizen Hunt at all right. costs. Right. <laughs> um, now let's, let's it's Sean Payton. It's Sean Payton or bust for me, Joe. Am I crazy? You're not crazy to want Sean Payton. Um, I'm not willing to, I, if it's not that it's up to me, I'm not, I'm not wanting to trade a first round pick for him. Um, if I can get him for a day two pick, preferably more like a third round pick, uh, I'm all for that. What about, sure. what about next year's year one pick? I, I no, no. And part of that is because there are some other coaches I like a lot that aren't going to cost that. So, but is that the, but is that the <laughs> right coach? I and think there, I think the right coach and, there's, I think the right coaches out there, um, and we, we we can get into some of those things. But there are some coaches I like, uh, and I think can win that that can uh, bring a winning organization, uh, you know, can bring a winning team to the Cardinals. Okay, are you on the Sean Payton train? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I was listening to uh, First Things First today, just about like uh, uh, the NFL games that happened yesterday, and uh, Nick Wright was uh, talking about. Um, how Arizona is not an appealing destination for a guy like Sean Payton. And, uh, like, taking fan bias, like, aside, you know, uh, just putting it away. I mean, you have Kyler Murray. We know he's a stud. You know, like, we, uh, he gets a lot of shit. I, I know he's injured. He'll probably be back by week four minimum. But, I mean, that's, you know, a shot in the dark for later. Uh, but offensive weapons, I mean, D-Hop, Kyler, uh, Greg Dorch on the come up, uh, James Conner, he was just a pro bowler a couple seasons ago and you have Zach Ertz. Yeah. He has an ACL injury, but he should be coming back around the same time as Kyler. Um, when you have those guys, that personnel and an unproblematic defensive coordinator right now of Vance Joseph and, uh, Michael Bidwell willing to clean house to uh, really change things with the third round pick. And, uh, as far as I know, I think we have just, a majority of our picks coming up anyway. I think we uh, own all of them. Uh, I, I I say that's uh, as appealing as it gets. I mean, people are talking about the uh, the Chargers, uh, Denver. I mean, like it like those are good stories. I mean, Russell Wilson's at the end of his tenure, and just uh, Justin Herbert's on the come up. But I think uh, the Arizona Cardinals are in the best situation, and I feel like if Sean Payne comes here, it's just Drew Brees 2.0. Uh, Super Bowl time, you know, with them. And he had to uh, go over that hill with Drew Brees being as short as he was, just throw over 
you know, uh, defenders basically jump uh, to see the open man. And if Drew Brees can do it, I think Kyler Murray can do it as well under Sean Payton's rule. And Sean Payton's known for having QB coaches, and that's what uh, this team needs, 100%. Um, I'm, I'm throwing up some 2009, 2010 New Orleans Saints uh, <laughs> highlights while, while we're talking about this here. This I mean, was a great team. I mean, obviously, I mean, when you, when you onside kick it to start a half, that, that's always great. Um, I, I, just what Sean Payton knows how to do with a short QB is so tantalizing to me. And I know, Darth, you asked earlier in the chat, you were like, hey, when or how much are we paying Cliff? Don't worry. It's not our money. It's fine. Oh, oh look, against the Cardinals. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome to throw in there. You love that. Uh, it's it's not our money, man. So we're, we're going to be just fine. Um, okay, so Joe. Yeah. John Harbaugh. Yeah. Uh, I already said he's my, he would be my number two, but there's been no smoke there for that fire. He's going to go somewhere else, obviously. I love Smash Mouth football. What would, you, what would your thoughts be if we got John Harbaugh? That's a no for me. I know he's had some success at the NFL level, um, but he wears out his welcome. Uh, he has just a re- he has a reputation for having an abrasive personality. That can, to me, that works well in college or better in college because players cycle through. You know, and you don't you don't lose you don't lose them. You know, you don't have enough time to lose them. So I just I'm just and and you know I, I'm I know he he's coaching the NFL. I just don't want to bring someone from college. I, you know, yes, I know he has, like I said, he's coaching the NFL, but with, with that abrasive personality, this is an organization that's Jim, had so Jim many. Harbaugh, off- excuse yeah. me. I would take John Harbaugh too. Oh, John Harbaugh. Yeah. Another he's story, he's yeah. obviously been successful, but like think about what, what kinds of off the field and drama and distractions this organization has had over the last year, year and a half. I just don't want to bring in a, a coach whose personality is going to eventually have a likelihood of kind of festering some of that additional okay. drama. Um, so for me, he's a no. You, you sold me there. You kind of sold me there about the the abrasive personality thing. And that really doesn't work when you're paying professional athletes. I totally actually get that. I didn't even think about that. I'm just, you know, gut reaction. These are the guys who I want. Yeah. Um, I'm going to remove this because I want to bring up your list now. Um, now these are the GMs, I, but I have some coaches if you want. You have you have a coach up. list? Go ahead and put that up too. Let me know when you're these ready. Are, these are my coaches that I like. Boom. Uh, just uh, just real quick uh, with Harbaugh. I mean, he has experience with running QBs too. Colin Kaepernick uh, during, his, yeah, that's, uh, during his prime. There, Joe. And what he was able to do with the Niners at – through his tenure, I mean, they were top of the NFC West mm-hmm. every year. And they stacked up wins, and they came a couple plays short of being Baltimore uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, with that experience and what I remember with him, with uh, Alex Smith and Kaepernick, I, I like I think Harbaugh can mold back into the NFL uh, kind of swiftly. So, For me, the counter to that, he, is, he was that successful, and they still got rid of him. <laughs> or he still moved on or whatever the parting was that was you know, it was wasn't it his chance to work at his alma mater that was the whole probably drug was that probably the, I, I don't remember honestly but then why like, is he leaving his alma mater then right yeah so like uh, if someone is that successful and still is gone red flag right that's true i but you know yeah so th- these are the three coaches that i like there's a few more names out there 
Um, like I'll, I'll I'll just, like I said, I do like Sean Payton. I just don't want to give up, you know, the, the, the first round pick. But if we get Sean Payton as our coach, I'll be happy. But D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator for the 49ers, Shane Steichen, the uh, offensive coordinator for the, the Eagles. You know, you talked about a coach who has built a system around a running quarterback. Well, look what he did, you know, with Jalen Hurts. Uh, and then Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for the Lions, who have, you know, have had a really good offense there. They they were the fourth. They were fourth in total yards this year, the, the Lions offense. So, yeah, so these you, yeah. You, you, the thing that sticks out to me first is you mentioned you kind of want more of an offensive coach or or go that way. Is D'Amico uh, Ryan is D'Amico Ryan's your, your number one or did I just misinterpret what you what so, you mentioned earlier? Uh, I don't necessarily have a strong preference for offense. I more mentioned that that's the way the league has gone. Sure. Um, sure. I like, I like D'Amico rise. I don't, these aren't necessarily in order of my preference. Um, but I, I, I lean lately. I kind of lean towards D'Amico Ryan's the idea being, if you could build an elite defense and get a, an average offensive coordinator with Kyler Murray and some of the weapons that they can bring, like, look at the, like, Look at what Russell Wilson in his prime did with the Legion of Boom. They had an elite defense, Russell Wilson, a running back, and a bunch of tight ends converted into offensive linemen coached by Tom Cable, right? And they were successful. So, like, what if you brought in someone like D'Amico Ryans, built an elite defense, let Kyler make some magic, fix the offensive line, right? That They would then have enough offense to get by. And to me – if you have a really good defense, I feel like there's a little more consistency there in terms of you can win those low scoring games and the high scoring Correct. games, right? So it's it's a little bit of a lower variance. So there's something about that that's actually kind of appealing to me. Uh, but I, if they hired any of the, these three guys, I'd be very happy. Do you, if you were to pick one right now, would you go D'Amico? <sighs> um, probably. Probably because I think he he's to me he seems like maybe the safest bet of the three. And if we got a D'Amico Ryan's, just like uh John Paul Edwards de Dios said, huge drop off from Jalen Carter to Miles Murphy. Uh when talk about trading down. But if you mm-hmm. don't trade down and you keep that number three, a guy like Jalen Carter with D'Amico mm-hmm. Ryan's, that that is tempting to me. I would love to see that. And I want to get your opinions on the draft too in a little bit here. Uh, Jay, outside of Harbaugh, Peyton, guys on this list, is there anybody on the list that you want to add or anybody on this list that intrigues you? Um, this was basically my list, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, when Joe pulled this up, I, I closed one of my tabs. I'm like, all right, this is perfect. So um, I hate to say it, but anybody from the 49er tree in the last decade or so, I you jump on them because uh, they have some of the best scouting in the last decade. Uh, I mean, Evan, you were talking about it earlier. I mean, they've hit on just about every pick for what the last like five, six years. And they've been able to do a lot with less, less with more. And just anybody from that camp, from that tree, I think you jump on that, especially D'Amico Ryan. He, he is a stud. Uh, I love that dude. And outside of Peyton and Harbaugh, I mean, throw Harbaugh out I mean D'Amico Ryan I that it goes Sean and D'Amico for me uh I think this dude would be uh killer uh for uh this uh for Arizona for sure 
Yeah, I agree. You know, you look at what Robert Sala has been able to do with the Jets, you know. Right. First right. year, I mean, as the Jets the first year, what do you really expect? But then this year, if it weren't for Zach Wilson being Zach Wilson, um, you could argue they would be in the playoffs right now over, what, the 9-8 and eight Jaguars? Uh, John said, I like offensive-minded coaches. That Wilkes season was blah. Um, one thing that I just randomly remembered, I feel like Wilkes didn't get a nice uh, or, or a fair shot at it just because when yeah. he was hired on, he wanted to switch to 4-3. But Steve Kime was like, you're, you're staying 3-4, right? And you saw Wilkes going, uh, some, maybe sometimes, maybe so, like he wasn't ever, I felt like he wasn't able to implement what he actually wanted there and he was handcuffed potentially a little bit there. And I, he just got the short end of the straw on that one. But I agree with John. I want to go offense out of the fireworks and whatnot. But if we go defense, I can sure talk myself into it. But overall, no matter what, the guy that's going to make that decision is the guy that's going to be hired hopefully here shortly. And we need a new GM as well, too. I can't, I can't wait for this draft. I am actually excited for this draft. This is the first draft I'm way excited since Kyler for sure. And before that there were drafts where like, man, we're just going to do something stupid. And sure enough, we get like Hassan Reddick or something, right? When we didn't need that guy turned out he was a great pick and we should have kept them another time failure. But I'm excited to see what what their draft strategy is, the interviews leading up to it, guys that they bring in, right? Who are they going to be interviewing in Indianapolis at the uh, Combine? All those things I'm I'm way into this year. Uh, Joe, would you mind bringing up your list of GMs? Because, I, I mean, I got to be honest, the GM part, I'm a little bit lost on. Nobody knows all the names of the GMs or assistant GMs, yeah. the lead scouts. Nobody knows these things. You know the organizations. Yeah, you know their record behind the organizations. You know how many times those guys hit, right? Um, and the very first thing that I look at on this list, you were right, Ian Cunningham. I think he was the first person that was actually brought up by Ian Rappaport outside mm-hmm. of internal candidates, right? Uh, Quinn yeah. Harris, uh, A Dub. This guy, you're right. I didn't think about the Eagles because of what they did, and I just don't think right. of the Eagles as like this powerhouse type of team. But you look at the roster they constructed Mm -hmm. that year when they won. You look at what the Ravens did for, I mean, he was there from 2008, 2016. I mean, Ozzie Newsom before that. So you look at all that experience that's there that he learned under, right? And then with the Bears as the assistant GM, you could arguably say the Bears roster this year is better than it's been in the last five to eight seasons, right? Definitely since the Erlacher days. Ian Cunningham, I'm very intrigued about. What more do you know about him, Joe? You know, um, not a lot. You kind of hit on it. You know, his with the Ravens, it was mostly some regional scouting and various scouting roles. But he got to work under. We, hold on, we yeah, got yeah. we got we got a Chicago Bears guy in the house, Mike What's Hughes, Mike? Mike on the Mike ASAP Network. He's been on the show before. Um, give me in, in the chat. Give me a, yes, you did hear about the Bears. Uh, give me your little uh, two cents worth on Ian Cunningham. Um, I'd love to send you a link here in the next few minutes and get you, get you on that, that. This would be a great impromptu thing. Hmm. Uh, but give me give me your give me your stats there, Michael. Send you a link. Uh, Joe, go on with Ian yeah. while I get Mike in here. Yeah. So the the fact that you know again he Ozzie Newsome, Baltimore Ravens general manager. You know who's he's retired now. But this guy, if if you don't follow the draft, this guy was probably the best drafting GM for like a couple of decades. I mean, drafted guys like Ray Lewis, you know, and Ed Reed. And as someone who loves the NFL draft and watches it every year, every year, like the Ravens, you just watch and you're like, 
they're usually picking late in the first round because they're good most of the time. And they just get, they just make smart picks and they, they you know, they, they just do a really good job. I love what they do in terms of drafting edge rushers in the middle rounds, developing them and not overpaying them. They just keep a pipeline of them. They, they do so many things well and smart and Cunningham, you know, he didn't make those draft picks. He didn't do that, but he learned in that system. And then he goes to the Eagles, as you talked about, like that roster, that Eagles roster is stacked. Like they have a really good roster, especially offensive line on the defense. And no, he didn't do that by himself, obviously, but he was part of the process that did that. Some people who saw his name and size with the Bears, like, oh, no, thanks. He was the Bears. Like, right. He's been with the Bears this season, one season. So I'm not going to give him credit or culpability for anything the Bears have done. He was the assistant GM for one decision, working under the decision maker, right? So whatever, you know, good or bad the Bears have, he didn't build that. But the processes he's learned under between the Eagles and the Ravens, those are two buildings I like uh, what they do. Right. So to me, he's an up and coming candidate. I like that a lot. I, I'm right there behind you. Um, hopefully we got Mike coming in a little bit, give us a little more insider. Um, yeah. since he's a the Chicago guy. Uh the 49ers guys, I'm actually a little hesitant on. And I think uh Jay John uh Jean Paul gave it uh was able to break it down here. I'll take the Bears guy. Those 49ers guys are going to fail because Shanahan makes the final decision. I don't know if that's the exact reason why he would fail, but that is a very good point. Give me your quick thoughts on that. And then we'll bring in Mike here. You know, I, I think that they've done a good job building a roster, particularly sure. defensively. And they've got, you know, they got some nice offensive linemen. So, you know, Shanahan makes a lot of that work in terms of the offensive side. He does some, he, he over, he, he overachieves in terms of his talent, especially with the running game. But they and they've had some good defensive coaches, but they've built a good roster. So, you know, I don't mind people who've learned under that process as well. So, I, I again, for me, Cunningham is probably ahead of him be, because again, I, I maybe I'm just a huge fan of what the Ravens do, and that might be why. But I, I, I you know, I'm going to give. I think people who've been part of what they did in the 49ers and the way they built that roster, I'm open to that. I, uh, you know, I think. And if you're looking at D'Amico Ryan's, you know pairing him with a general manager who he's worked with, you know, that, that, that's, that's also intriguing. Right. And, you know, you want to have a general manager and coach who can work together. And obviously with Cunningham, you know, uh, with his time with the Eagles, if we're looking Shane Steichen, you know, there's, there's some, you know, at least some familiarity there. Um, So I'm not down on them. They're just not as high on my list. And we still we have yet to get to uh, Adrian Wilson, Quentin Harris as well too. Yeah. I'm I'm of the mind yeah. that I just I want to, I love you, A Dub. <laughs> I will always love you, Adrian Wilson. You're one of my favorite players to ever play. I just want a clean slate, and I want to get into that in a little bit. But uh, welcoming back for the second time on the He's on Fire podcast, we got the one, the only Mike Hughes from Mike on the Mic. What's going on, man? How you doing, man? Evan, I'm having a blessed day, sir. I'm having a blessed day. I'm living my life. I've been waving my lovey stick all week long. And uh, one last ride. I had one last ride with lovey this week. So that was an amazing, it's been an amazing week. How did he get another job, by the way? He went from 
doing nothing with the Bears, going to Illinois, doing mm-hmm. nothing to Illinois. Then he gets another shot in a pro franchise, and he's and he decides on Davis Mills. Like I, I know the roster. That's just that. Anyway, I don't even want to. I don't want to. Where do Where do you go, Evan? Where do you go? I know. I know. I think that's why you got that shot. Like it's perfect. It's it's it makes sense. It's Texans are gonna Texan man. <laughs> <laughs> uh so give me uh, uh joe como here from az sports underground is is the one and only that put this list together and he thinks ian cunningham is the best out there he is your current assistant gm over in chicago um he's not the gm he's the assistant right. gm so i'm sure you know just a little bit about him do you have any background on him have you heard stuff on the radio local sports stuff what do you know yeah, Ian's, Ian's a cool guy. I mean, he's kind of, you know, like if you follow baseball, he's kind of like what Jed Hoyer was for Theo Epstein. He's kind of that guy who doesn't really talk a lot. You know, he's he's kind of just behind the scenes. He does the, the work everybody needs to know, but doesn't want to talk about. So that's that's really what it is. He knows the X's and O's. He really understands the game as a whole. Um, he's been throughout the organization for, I think, this is his first year. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was a part of last year. Um, I think he was with the Eagles. I, I, I was tuning in, in and out. I was driving. But um. In all seriousness, though, you know, I I like the resume, but I also look at that resume and I'm like, OK, the Ravens and the Eagles. And I look at what they did during that time frame and it's not very impressive. But that's not really his fault for the several the several teams that, you know, he was on. You know, he's not the GM of those teams. So I think he's done the right jobs. He's done the right moves and he's worked with the right people for to get this job. Uh, whether Arizona wants to take a chance on him being a first time GM, that's really the question. Mm-hmm. But GMs kind of don't, just don't fall out of trees. And if they do, you probably don't want them because, you know, Evan Ryan Pace is out there somewhere looking for a job. So it does. <laughs> it's not always it's not always the greatest thing to get a former GM. So I think giving him this opportunity, um, I would be a hypocrite if I said it was a bad move because I have Ryan Poles and, you know, he's a first time GM. He worked his way under um, he was a former Chicago Bear. Didn't make the roster, but he was a former Chicago Bear um, working in KC as long as he did. I, I like guys a lot, especially in football and baseball, who have these resumes you don't even want to read. Like you have so many jobs over the last 10 years. If if you have a family that you go to Christmas or Thanksgiving functions to and you explain to them what your job is like, he had so many different roles with the Eagles and the Ravens. And that's great. So I think he definitely understands the personnel you would need to get. But the list that Joseph created is is amazing, by the way. I was checking it out. Um, it, it's really in-depth. And I think, you know, there's a lot of great options here. And there's some guys that aren't on this list that I'm sure uh, the Arizona Cardinals might pull out of their hat there as well. So I, I think no matter who you really go with, um, it's it's a pretty solid list. It, now, it's I, fresh I, real quick. I don't want to take credit for anything I don't deserve. This is a list of the players that they the Cardinals have been linked to. So uh, I'll give Michael Bidwell credit for putting it's, together an awesome list. It's of still guys a nice here. format. I like the Thank way you. it's written. Thank you. There's a note <laughs> Easy to read. Thank yeah. you, Mike. I like this guy, Evan. Um, so you were probably jumping for joy. You get the number one pick. Honestly, I thought it was kind of funny the year that the Bears don't need a quarterback. Y'all, y'all actually get the number one pick. 100%. Um, what do you think you guys are going to do? What's What's been the talk of the town? Are you guys going to trade back? Are you looking for extra picks? Are you going to draft Jalen Carter? Are you going to swing for the fences and get some guy that maybe shouldn't go number one, but you got the pick? What are the Bears going to do? Because whatever you guys do is directly going to affect the Texans and then the Cardinals at three. 
I'm 110% trading the pick for Mitchell Trubisky. I want to do one last go. Um, <laughs> nah, but, um, in all seriousness, though, I, I, I don't think there's an answer for that. And I think the only way you find out is on draft day. I think free agency will definitely be telling. Um, you know, we have the most cap space in all of the league, and it's not Makes even sense. close. Uh, I mean, Evan, you can cut everybody on the Arizona Cardinals roster right now. And I'm pretty sure we still beat everybody by about 20 million. We have $120 million right now. It's, it's crazy. Um, but I do look at it for what it is. Um, and listen, everybody knows Evan knows cause he's in the ASAP chat and I go insane all the time about how big of a fan I am of Justin Fields. He's the same age as me. So we graduated in the same class, grew up watching that guy on max prep sports all the way from the Netflix show, Georgia, then obviously Ohio State, and now uh, the kid's a leader. The kid's a leader. The kid has the most work ethic in the room. Um, I could definitely see trading down, like I said in the comments, if you could uh, so lovingly pull that up. Uh, if you, you know, D-hop and two first, Evan, I'm just saying. It gets it done for me. Um, but in all seriousness, <laughs> one thing I think what bothers me is Ryan Poles being a first-time GM and inheriting Justin Fields. You know, the big thing about being a GM is getting your guy for the next five to 10 years that you believe is going to be able to lead this franchise. I'm not saying, you know, he doesn't think Justin's a good player, uh, but, you know, you only get the number one overall pick every so often unless you're a poverty franchise. This is the third time in history we've had the number one pick and the first two times we took running backs in 41 and 47. So the, the game has changed a lot. Um so for me, Evan, like it's it's weird to have this conversation because you know how much I love Fields. But if I'm a first time GM and I inherited Fields, who just broke Michael Vick's records, who's number two all time in a rushing quarterback season, you know, let's say for whatever reason you can get a first round pick for Justin Fields right now, and you draft, let's say Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud because you believe that's your guy. I mean, you could end up still getting a top five pick because let's be real, I don't know how you guys feel, Levis is the next Mitch Trubisky, Zach Wilson. I do not believe in Levis whatsoever. And everybody else is kind of a project outside of Strout and obviously Young. So for me, Justin Fields would be the third quarterback taken off this list. So that's really where I'm at with it. If you can walk out the draft, let's say we give it to the Colts or the Seahawks for Justin Fields, and you walk out the draft with Bryce Young and Jalen Carter, that I'm cool with it. And I, I go on that whole little ramble because I'm just saying that's an entire – possibility like there is a shot that happens you also trade back give justin some weapons like there's so many different ways this can go um if i had to tell you right now what this bears off season is going to be like just watch draft day and that's that's literally how i feel about it right now we uh -huh. have the number one pick and we do not know what we're going to do with it until it happens that is an interesting take about you know picking a quarterback and trading it because i I've had that thought about Kyler Murray. You know, what if what if we did take a quarterback at number you, three? Uh, I just talked about you, not to interrupt, but I just talked about you the other day, you and Jay Ness, and um, uh, I'm not going to be on blast. So I mentioned Jason as well. Just don't watch the episode. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, I look at the Josh Rosen situation. You know, Josh Rosen comes in. Hey, we just took this guy. What was it? 10 overall. We took Justin Fields 11 overall. It's not like he was the number one overall pick. And then the very next year, you bring in Kyler Murray. And, and that's that's really where I was sitting there, and I was like, man, like this is a legitimate possibility that this happens. Now, Justin, in all respect to Josh Rosen, is miles ahead of what Josh Rosen was doing at the time. Not even close. Um, yeah, not even. not Different even playing field altogether. Yeah. But that's also the conversation of, okay, so you had to let go of Josh. 
but you can actually get something for Justin. So like that's that's where it's like if I can get another first for Justin and have number one, it's a legit conversation for me. But I love Jay. You know I love Jay. I've won. Um, that's my guy. So I, I do not want to see him leave. But that's just me saying like there's so like you saw that whole little spiel, Evan. Like people are probably like, damn, like that's possible. Like that's why it freaks me out, bro. Like it gives me anxiety even thinking about it. Joe or JJ, do you guys have any uh, input there or questions for Mike uh, regarding Chicago, the assistant GM, what they could do, or, or any comments of what he just said? Because those were very intriguing. <laughs> I just I I think Justin Fields has a lot of potential. I just mm-hmm. think it'd be hard to get a first round, and not because he's not a good player, but with quarterbacks when you draft them, what you really want is that f- you want those first three years before right. you have to extend them. And I just it's not that that people wouldn't want to trade for the player but I don't know that they would want to trade for a quarterback that they're going to be maybe a year away from having to pay the big contract when, if they have a first round pick, they might rather draft someone. So that's not a knock on him. It's more, you know, Mm. kind of a roster construction thing, but, but I like the situation. And if like, because you like, do you, do you, do you sit there, say put and take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter and get an elite defensive piece, or do you trade back to one of these teams that needs a quarterback and get a haul? If it's me, as much as I like those, well, what I try to do if it's me is I try to trade, see if person number two wants to switch, you know, because then you can get some draft capital and still get one of those defensive players. Or maybe I try to trade back to four with Indy and, you know, or, or trade back and get and build a really good roster around him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if, if it's me, I build around fields, you know, see what, you know, continue to grow with him. But, you know, listen, having the first overall pick it's not great how it gets there as a team, but that's an enviable position to be in in terms of the draft capital. Yeah, man. It was, it's like, I feel like the first team that ever got the number one overall pick and was like, I don't care. Like, I really, <laughs> I was not jumping for joy. I was literally yeah. just like, okay, cool. Like, and I watched that final drive. If anybody got a chance to see it, Stenson Bennett at three. You know, <laughs> and that's like the craziest story of them all, not to get off topic, but I mean, back to back national champion. And mm. we're not even talking about this kid getting drafted. Like, that's the craziest story I think ever told. Um, trade down, get that wide receiver from TCU. I would rather not. I would rather not. That's a, a, for me, Evan. That's a far steep that we're talking trading down. Like, how far are we trading down in that conversation? But my big pick, um, if we're having a legitimate conversation is Seattle. Uh, Seattle right now has pick 20 and I believe pick five or six. I forget exactly. Four, what it is. four with the, from Denver. Four, 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 four. four. Okay. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, four. So the way I'm thinking about it, cause uh, Evan so lovingly just destroyed JJ Watts entire career. Uh, no, I'm playing. That was definitely Houston yet again. Um, so the way I'm looking <laughs> at it right now, let's say the bears, you know, Geno Smith, amazing season congratulations you're 33 like that's that's what it is so if we could trade with seattle get four and and 20 i am completely confident that obviously my guy on my left uh is definitely going to take will anderson so i'm hoping i could land jalen carter at four and i think i can and then obviously two 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 mock drafts have the uh quentin johnson tc wide receiver at nine to carolina who does need a quarterback just real quick seattle has picked five and then their la- their later pick is to be determined based on how the playoffs. Right. So it could be as high as right. 19 and as low as, le- le- I mean, 32, really. you know. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they win the Super Bowl, don't even call me, bro. Don't <laughs> even call me. 
I already gave I already gave pick number 32 for Chase Claypool. I don't need to do this again. Like I'm fine. <laughs> for, for the record, Cardinals fans, uh this particular mock draft has the Cardinals drafting Bijan Robinson out of Texas. That is very high for a running back. But hey, you know what? I can I'll talk myself into Kyler Murray, Bajon Robinson, a rookie running back in the backfield. I'll talk myself into that, but not, not, not where I would go. Not, not where I would three. go. That's a trade down scenario for me. Yeah. Mm. Um, JJ, anything for, for Mike, who so graciously joined us uh, randomly <laughs> here. I love it. Uh, I appreciate you hopping on, Mike. I really like the hat, man. Uh, oh, funny. yeah. You know, you, know you, you, you can find this at any local Chicago store. That's for you, Suns fan Randy. That's for you right there. He's a big Green yeah. Bay Packers fan, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, God, I was talking I was talking shit about Green Bay all day. That's so funny. But, um, <laughs> the but Jamal Williams podcast now. Shout out Jamal Williams. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, for the Chicago Bears, um, I'm if you don't know, I'm a Ohio State football fan. I, I'm sorry, doesn't like it. Whatever. Yeah. I know, right? Uh, but um, just Ohio State doesn't have the best record. Don't start with me. Don't have the best reputation when it comes to uh, their QBs uh, going to the NFL and being successful. So I was really optimistic about Justin Fields uh, uh, going into uh, when he was drafted. Um, uh, This last season, um, he actually was pretty impressive for what he was dealt with. And uh, I saw glimpses of Vic uh, with kind of a better arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've mm-hmm. seen some David McNabb sort of uh, looks from him too. That's uh, he's that, de- yeah. So he's definitely uh, sticking out from uh, previous history. So I would definitely look to build around him. Um, you think uh, supplying him with the weapons necessary is uh, the main focus, or fixing up that defense because that defense is rough. Yeah. So uh, I think Justin can. I, I like. I don't know the uh, where you're more leaning towards. Uh, I I see that defense. I'm like, uh, they really need something on it's that awful. side of the ball. Yeah. But like, I think Claypool could be a one or two uh, if y'all can possibly trade down and at least get a one. Have uh, have Claypool at the two. I think y'all can be okay. But and stacking that defense, I think that's uh, the best uh, game plan for y'all. But. Uh, as for your head uh, head coach situation, like how, like how are you feeling about that? Listen, I I love Flues, and I always go out and let everybody know that I love Flues as the person. I love him as the leader. I love him as the motivator. I said from day one, and if you know Evan was in the chat as well, I screamed it every single day. Brian Dable literally embodies what looking like a Chicago Bears fan is. He looks like he has twelve Mike Dicka sausages a day, and you know he looks like he has he goes to Benny's Beverages every day and gets a twelve pack at least by noon. You know, he, he looked like that. And he was so strategic in Buffalo that I wanted him to be the OC. I don't like revolving doors of offensive coordinators. Justin Fields has had three in the last two years. I don't believe in Luke Getze. And, you know, when Matt Eberflus isn't even calling the plays on defense, it kind of just I, – I like him. I like him a lot, but I question if he is just kind of that, hey, build the culture, and then we're going to find our guy later on. So that's really where I'm at with Flues. 
Um, and then for the defense, the secondary looks great. I love the secondary. Jaquan Brisker is a future all pro Jalen Johnson. The stats aren't really there from an interception standpoint, but that kid is like glue to your hip and he's insane when he's healthy. Kyler Gordon, you know, moved him from the slot to the outside. You know, it looked a lot better. He's a pac 12 kid. Uh, he definitely picked it up. And um, I, I love seeing that, but I will say this to your point, uh, cause I will give you some love. You know, there's a very small portion size of Ohio State quarterbacks that are actually, you know, you look at them in legitimacy because a lot of them don't go in the first round. You know, you look at what it really is. Um, and it, it's this is a podcast about the card. Don't, don't, don't worry, we were getting in, inside insight from the number one pick and uh, uh, assistant GM. It don't, just worry, happened. don't worry. But um, yeah, you know, Dwayne Haskins, God rest his soul. Uh, you know, he definitely had some, you know, issues. Oh, yeah, mentally. for sure. Yeah, had some issues mentally that he just needed to figure out and grow up a little bit. And unfortunately, he never got that opportunity to show that. Um, Justin Fields is one of those guys, too. And I think CJ Stroud is going to go through the same issues. Like, bro, you had Chris Olave, Williams. I mean, we're talking about all these guys coming through, Garrett Wilson. And then you go to the Chicago Bears, and it's like, all right, here's Byron Pringle. And it's like, all right, well, that's that's why we're struggling. Yeah, it's, it's why we're struggling. But um, I like Flues. I think he's solid. Um, my last little Bears ramble, because I know we got to get back to the cards, though. Um, you know, I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I like the connection there, the Ohio yes. State connection. Injury history. You know, I got Lonzo Ball and other he's guys I got to deal though. with. Um, you know, I don't know if I do that. But I, I, Jordan Addison, guys like that I like as well. Um, but one I've been preaching for the last two years because I think we're in an amazing situation to do so. I don't think it's going to happen during the draft. I think it happens closer to OTAs. There's always a pre-Madonna. There's always a guy who wants to get paid or just doesn't like his situation. I look at the Bengals and I see they already have Jesse Bates. They already have a bunch of guys on defense getting paid, O-lines getting paid. You're going to have to pay Burrow, Chase, and T. Higgins. If I'm the Bears, I go, listen, you're not getting this first this year, but I'll give you a first in 2024. For T. Higgins, if you can rock out with T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, and Darnell Mooney with Justin Fields moving forward, I'm happy with it. And everything like that. that the Bears do is going to directly affect the Cardinals uh, moving forward. We are going to get back to some Cardinal stuff. Mike, thank you so much for uh, hopping on real quick. Uh, definitely have you on like during some draft coverage and stuff, and we'll hook up later down the line. All right, my friend? For sure, brother. I'll talk to you all later. Cheers. Peace. Thank you, Mike. See you, Mike. Thank you. Um, that's some really great insight, honestly, about the number one pick and what could legitimately happen with Chicago. I, I hadn't thought about that cause I was still in fire cliff Kingsbury mode, but that's going to be something we really need to watch out for. I mean, if we do wind up with Will Anderson at three or Jalen Carter, I'm very happy with that. I mean, you get a outside linebacker or a D, D lineman, per, give me the inside lineman. Cause I'm all about building the lines, but mm. I'm going to be very happy. We are, we are a little bit over the hour mark here. Um, so real quick, uh, Joe and JJ, I want to get your guys' input on the draft coming up and what your expectations might be. But first, uh, Adrian Wilson and uh, Quentin Harris. Joe, talk to me about A-Dub and Q. Um, I love Adrian Wilson. I mean, I was a fan since they drafted him. Um, and, you know, I did a video how, of how I would fix the Cardinals. It was up to me. I did it back in November. So it's been a couple of months. And at the time I had Adrian Wilson as who I would tab, you know, for, uh, for general manager. Um, I have moved away from that. I still like him. I think he'll be a GM someday, but I've moved towards the, let's get someone from another organization to bring those best practices in the only scenario in which I'm, I, I could be okay with uh, a dub 
and again, this is not a slam on him. I love Adep, but the only chance um, for the only scenario for me is if they brought in a coach who wants to have a lot of control and we're like, okay, uh, Sean Payton, you can come in and here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep a dub and Quentin, you know, Harris in their current roles as kind of co GMs and they'll take care of a lot of the logistics, but they're going to work very closely with you. Right. And give you what you want. That's maybe the only snare where I, I maybe go in that direction, but I prefer at this point now going outside the organization. Do you agree, JJ? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I want to start off on a clean slate. I love Adrian Wilson. I love Dub just as much as anybody. I think what he should be doing is uh, not only scouting, but reaching out to uh, the top three agents in the next uh, – in this year and uh, next year uh, possibly and just tell them how, uh, how great Arizona is and we're making big changes and would love uh, – uh, for them to consider uh, coming here uh, at some point, you know, uh, JJ Watt finished his career here. Um, shout out to him. What a beautiful career th that he had. And uh, uh, D hop uh, is here and he's shown nothing but professionalism. And uh, it seems like he loves his quarterback uh, regardless of everything that's going on right now. So uh, like, especially on the receiver side, uh, offensive players, defensive players, I think this is a good destination in general. Especially if Sean Payton, a guy like Sean Payton comes in, I think it's going to be appealing to a lot of people. And if Adrian Wilson can take that, uh, take that ball and run with it and start recruiting, uh, there's certain people throwing out names. Like if we had Adrian Wilson trying to get uh, 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 like Sue, if we were good, if Sue, uh, I feel like he, uh, we could have got Sue here uh, for just to close out the, you know, the season and whatnot. You know, uh, considering how depleted on defense we were, or at least gave him the false promise that we were going to be good in the beginning of the season and just kind of trapped him here. But, <laughs> but um, if you can, uh, I, I like, I, uh, like you said before, I'd rather start on a clean slate and just kind of just start fresh. If that means uh, kicking Vance Joseph to the side, uh, I'm more than willing to do so. Uh, again, it's not my money. I've and uh, I, I think what we uh, also need to address is that uh, Bidwell is, uh, kind of opened his wallet and is uh, willing to pay this out going forward uh, with the guaranteed money and stuff. So I, I feel like if he was going to make Vance Joseph temporary head coach, it would have been announced by now. So I, I definitely feel like uh, things are going to be clearing up and we're going to see a lot new personnel. I've got some kind of breaking news here. And I've seen this a handful of tweets so far. So somebody, please, this is this is Arizona State football related. Someone please tell me if this is real or not. Um, Coach Prime, Dion in Colorado, alluded to this. But now I'm seeing it pop up a couple times. Colorado to open 2023 season at Arizona State week zero. If anybody doesn't know, the week zero has like, what five, six, seven, eight games or something like that? Uh, the technically before week one are still involved in week one. This is kind of weird to me. I, I just want to bring this up. I don't know why we would play them in week zero because I was pretty sure we're going to keep on playing them in conference. I don't know. This is this is very strange. So Arizona State to open up against Colorado, kind of semi breaking stuff here. Weird. Weird. I want to get into that just a little bit more. Very strange stuff. If anybody sees anything else, please put it in the in the chat. Uh, before we get out of here, um, I just want to just touch on the draft. 
And what Mike said about drafting a QB, then maybe even trading Justin Fields, all that stuff, it, it, that's what I was thinking about with Kyler and being injured. If he has to miss the year, if he has to miss eight weeks, Joe, is there a possibility a new GM who always wants their guys, they want their coach, they're, they're this, they're that, do you think there could be a possibility that we would draft a, a quarterback at three, start him, see what we have, maybe trade one of them down the line? I think personally it's kind of a bad rap because then that means whoever's left over, whatever quarterback is left over, you're not going to get back and return what you gave up. That's for damn sure. And there's always going to be the reason, well, why didn't he start? He's obviously not good enough. I think it's dangerous. It's a slippery slope. I could see it in a multiverse of Arizona Cardinals football. Do you think that's at all possible that we take a quarterback and trade Kyler? If not, what are your thoughts on the draft? I, I think that would be a mistake, and I don't think they do that. I think that they are going to bring in a GM who's going to have a conventional kind of best practices approach, and that just to me is unwise. Uh, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people who aren't a believer in Kyler, but his contract, whether you like him or not, you're stuck with him for at least about three years before you can realistically move. There's like a 50-something million dollar dead cap hit for trading him before the draft. Like, like you just, you have, and so you don't use a number three pick on another quarterback and then have that dilemma with an organization that's had so much bad PR and so much bad kind of stuff. You don't want to create a bigger mess. Right. So I think the person they bring in is going to be brought in to figure out how to make it work with Kyler. I think the GM and the coach you're bringing in are a GM and coach. Like that's going to be part of the interview process. What's your plan for Kyler? Right. So I think in terms of the quarterback situation there, I, I, and I, I did a video about what they, what they should do about Kyler. I think what they should do is bring in a veteran uh, kind of journeyman. Like to me, Jacoby Brissett, bring him in, right? The guy has started for teams at points, bring him in, I like him. let him know you you're going to be, have a chance to be that starter at least until Kyler's ready to go. And that not a ton of money. And like, like, you know, uh, uh, as good as these rookie quarterbacks might be they're for like, if you're drafting them to start till Kyler's healthy, they're not going to be as good as a veteran journeyman in that duration. Right. Like someone's like Jacoby Percet is going to come in and play better for that first four, six or eight games than that rookie is going to it. You use that draft pick to build a team around Kyler for moving forward. So to me, I mean, is it possible? I mean, you know, lots of things are possible, but it is highly improbable. Now Jay. you asked, I'm sorry, no, Jay, go ahead. I'm sorry, good job. No, 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 please. No, go ahead. I was just saying you yeah, asked what yeah, to yeah. do with, with the draft. For yeah. me, at number three, if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are gone, you trade back. If one of them is there, I'm good with taking them. But those are the only two players I'm I want to take at number three. All defense, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, uh, Jay. I oh, yeah, what? Go, yeah, go. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I totally agree with you, Joe. Um uh, I will add uh, to this. There's three guys that absolutely need to stay here and kind of untouchable to me. It's Buda Baker, Zach Allen, and D-Hop. Uh, I, I wouldn't touch those guys at all. You can build around those guys in, in, in any sense. I'm totally cool. W with the draft, um, it's line work. O offensive uh, line and the defensive line need to be worked with. I think Justin Pugh's done. I've 
pretty sure uh, Rodney Hudson is going to be retiring. Um, I want to move off of Max Garcia as quick as possible and maybe keep Josh Jones in his actual position and stop playing him out of position. I kind of gave him a lot of shit last season uh, when it wasn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily his fault. So um, offensive line needs a lot of work. And uh, like you said earlier, Evan, if we can get a middle of the pack offensive line, I think Kyler would be more than happy to. I, like happy to work with that, especially with Cody Ford being a part of this team as well. Uh, we can definitely do something. Yeah. Uh, on the D line, build uh, build around Zach Allen. I feel like Marcus Golden was uh, doubled a lot uh, this uh, this season. He didn't get a lot of opportunity to do something. JJ Watt kind of ca- uh, carried the burden. Uh, you know, he was the guy that broke the line just about every single time. Uh, Maybe get something out of Marcus Golden, maybe upgrade, but absolutely build around Zach Allen. He's baby wad. I think he's shown a lot of flashes in the last two seasons that he can be uh, a lead uh, uh, defensive lineman uh, going forward for this team for sure. Uh, and plus, there isn't a lot on the market uh, for defensive linemen in general. But if we can get some young guys, some corn, uh, some corn fed dudes. Uh, I mean, uh, if you watch <laughs> if you watch Georgia tonight, they have yeah. some studs, man. So, like, if we can get one of those uh, SEC uh, defensive linemen and just get like two of those guys up paired along with Zach Allen, I mean, I I mean, we're cooking with grease at that point, in my opinion, especially on the defensive side. And you still have Buddha Baker back there. Uh, I'm totally cool. You know, my my last thoughts. Um, first off. When John Gruden got traded to the Bucks from the Raiders, that was the last real big coaching uh, trade. I don't, I don't count Herm Edwards going from the Jets to the Chiefs or vice versa. I really don't count that one. Um, that was for two firsts and two seconds, by the way. That was back in two thousand two or three, if I'm not mistaken, maybe four. Um, and I don't know if the market value was there, especially for a guy like Sean Payton, who's been. Uh, kind of chilling in the wind a little bit here or waiting waiting in the wings, if you will. So, But just food for thought on the trade. As far as what the Cardinals need to do, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this. Rumors are going to come up. Cut days are going to come up. Um, and we're going to get to kind of go on this journey together. But that interior offensive line needs help. I'm fine with it if we stick with Beecham or Jones on the right tackle. Um, but that interior line center and both guard positions, I think, need massive upgrades. If you want to stick with Will Hernandez again, you can talk me into that. Absolutely. As long as the new offensive line coach brings a new breath of fresh air to them. Right. Uh, running back. I'm draft the guy in the fourth, fifth or sixth round. I'm fine. Pairing with John Connor or I'm right. totally fine with that. Uh, tight ends. I'm fine. Wide receiver. We're good. Don't you dare sign another receiver unless it's to replace like AJ green. And we kind of need like a fourth or fifth guy down there. Or so, Rondo. You know, yeah. R- Rondale, you got Greg Dorch, maybe just one more big guy. I, I don't want to bring back uh, uh, what's his name that we traded for in the offseason that didn't Robbie do Anderson. I don't want to, I don't, I, Anderson, I don't want Robbie Anderson back. If you do bring it back, I could talk myself into it. That's fine. Defensively, D line, D line, D line, D line. I'm curious if Richard Lawrence can get one more chance, what that would look like. I, I really want him to succeed. I thought. He was he was an integral part the last two years before he got hurt, man. He was eating up bodies, two guys. Um, 
the the interior D line, Zach Allen, that's great. Get another D end, uh, bring that in. I love I love me some Cam Thomas and Majay Sanders. I love what Marcus Golden can bring, or the ghost of Marcus Golden, what he brought. But you know, if you end up with Will Anderson on the other side too, you got four dudes that can rush the passer. Um, the one that doesn't perform is out, and I have no problem doing that. Interior linebacker. You you got with the guys that we got, we got to run with it. There's don't add anybody, just let them loose. And maybe with a new voice in their head, they can perform a little bit better and differently. Cornerback room. I still love Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, Byron Murphy. If we can bring Byron Murphy Jr. back, I think that's a must. Get some depth behind there. Nothing needs to be done to the safety room. I'm I, I'm very happy with oh, Buddha cool. and Jalen Thompson. Keep that running as is. And for God's sakes, get a new kicker in here. But that is Coach Evan B's little rant on what we need to do and fix personnel-wise. Um, what the coach or who the coach has hired and who he brings in is really going to dictate uh, what we're going to do as far as, you know, brooding run offense versus, you know, pressure heavy type of defense. All that is going to come in time. Uh, this next week is going to be fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing what comes out tomorrow. Who are the coaches candidates going to be tomorrow? Who are the Titans going to hire? Who are all these people going to hire? A lot of this is going to be played out. And I think we're going to have our answer probably within the next seven to 10 days with both of those dudes. And then we can start getting into the team. Um, AZ sports, Arizona sports underground, AZ sports underground.com. Everybody check that out. I'm finally writing another article on the mighty Arizona state sun devil basketball team this year, which now they're ranked 58th in the net rating after winning two games and being ranked Mm -hmm. 55th, they win two games and now they're 58. So make it make sense while they love Oregon, even though the Oregon strength of schedule is like 13th, Arizona state's like 248 or 238 something just awful their strength of schedule is terrible but catch me on there uh also at the asap sports network uh, a lot of good things happening in both places for all of you sports fans uh we're gonna get out of here right now hopefully we're gonna come back later this week a thursday or friday show i guess we'll talk some suns but it's probably gonna be more uh cardinal centric right now hopefully we'll bring back peter boyle as well too we can talk some more asu hoops good things happening overall this is a chance to cleanse cardinals fans this is as bad or worse than that Wilk season. So look at the bright side. We have a franchise quarterback. We have a franchise stalwart and Buda Baker on the defensive side. We have young guys on both sides. We need to just find a few guys on the line and the D line, plug a play, plug and play a few nice free agent signings, get a strong draft class in here. And I promise you, we have a top seven NFC roster. We do like without a doubt, we do. John Connor is going to have 18 touchdowns next year, but I want to pat myself on the back for one thing, JJ. And I said, JJ Watt was only going to miss no more than two games out of all my predictions. I got that one, right? JJ. So you were right. You were right. I got that one. Yeah. Shit. Everything else was dog awful, but i also did say we were going to get five wins. Didn't I? Yeah. I mean, you're close. Uh, it's, like I'll add one more thing before uh, we get out of here. Um, I was doing reflecting uh, of this last season. We like at minimum we should have been eight and nine. Uh, but with this <laughs> roster, um, I thought we can be at least one win better because I mean we're basically bringing back the same roster, and if we had the same execution to start the season, I feel like we would have been okay. Uh, but um, yeah, like I think just about everybody had to go, uh, considering how the first eight weeks went and like how we closed out too. So if you're feeling bad for Cliff, uh, 
feel bad for the person and not necessarily uh, what, what he did for uh, the team and stuff. With Kind, hopefully he finds things that he's better at. You know, he, he's caused us a lot of pain throughout the years. Hopefully um, he finds some peace. Yeah, some peace, please. <laughs> uh, but Bidwell showed he had a backbone, and I really do appreciate it. And I'm really excited. The first time in a long time for a Arizona Cardinals draft, and uh, you know, I'm I'm really hopeful that we can really change this franchise around and not be known as the team that's been around for 100 years and hasn't kept a head coach for uh, more than six years. Or uh, the last time we had the number three pick, we got Larry Fitzgerald. So I mean, I did see that today. Yeah, yeah. So like that. Like we have, we have the pieces. We have the opportunity to make uh, something out of nothing. Uh, I think we're really appealing to the masses. Uh, like fuck what Nick Wright thinks. I, I honestly don't care. Uh, franchise QB. <laughs> we have a third round pick. Right. We have wide receivers, and we have a pretty decent defense. But we have a a hell of a leader of Buda Baker. I think this is one of the most appealing teams in the league when it comes to hiring head coaches and especially in the GM position as well. No matter what you can say, at least Steve Kime set us up for this, right? I know. <laughs> Shout out Kime. It's Kime time. Oh man. Yep. It's exciting. Uh, Cardinals have been doom and gloom ever since we got ousted last year in the playoffs, man. Uh, from the first game against the chiefs to barely winning against the Raiders to just the downward spiral. It's been one straight year. No, almost this coming Monday will be one straight year. So 51 weeks of doom and gloom. And this was a little breath of fresh air. Joe, tell everybody where they can find you. Find me, obviously, at azsportsunderground.com, as, as Evan talked about. You can also find me on YouTube at The Cardinal Rule. And just going to uh, throw out there that I'm going to be starting sometime in the next week or two, Mock Draft Monday live streams, where we're going to do uh, – you know, the PFF and a couple other websites have some mock draft simulators. He's on fire. That's right. We did this last, last seat preseason and it was a blast. Just a great way to familiarize, familiarize yourself with the, with the prospects. We, you know, people will be able to submit mock drafts on Twitter or discord to me, and I will put your mock draft up and we'll talk through it. We'll talk about some of the prospects. Evan, I'll have you, I'm going to have you on there if you're up for it as, Absolutely. as a, as a co-host. It's a lot of fun. We did them last year and it was a blast. So uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be uh, starting that up. So make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. Uh, for the Cardinal Rule, just like you need to do that for He's on Fire podcast, uh, and we're and you know come join us for Mock Draft Mondays. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a feeling your list isn't going to be as big this year, considering we have the number three pick and this list of candidates is a little bit shorter of who you want to get. But either way, everybody go uh, hit up the Cardinal Rule. Please like and share this video, subscribe, ring the bell, all that fun stuff. Um, had a great turnout, had had over 15 people watching right now, which is great considering I took like a four-month hiatus. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for coming on. We appreciate you. Westville uh, just came in. Uh, about damn time is all I can say. We're back. We're back and we're better than ever. And we got some great guests uh, that we're going to line up as well, too. Um, just going to leave it off here. Not going to play the outro video. Everyone, thanks for coming by. This is a new day in Arizona Cardinal football, and we're on the up and up. Peace.